Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 42 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, my brother, how are you doing <laughs> today? Matt, my brother, uh, I'm doing really well, man. I took a little vacation. I've been hanging out this week. Things have been good. Nice, nice. Feels, I'm having a, you know, yeah. I tell you, Dave, it, it was nice to record these hanging out together. And who knows? Maybe we'll do more of those again in the near future. But it is also really nice to be back doing it in my apartment with my setup, uh, sort of back classic style. You know what Feels it is? Good. It's j- like you've got a little zone, right? You've got like a space that you have set up to do the thing. I got my desk lamp. I got a shirt hanging on the wall behind my laptop uh, to stop my voice from bouncing back off of it and causing unnecessary echo. I got a new mic. uh, Thanks, Mark. Oh, you got a beautiful new mic. Yeah. Crazy, crazy good new mic. I I don't know where Mark gets this stuff. He just shows up with it, and it's super nice. And I was like, where did you get this? He's like, oh, I got it on some crazy deal a year and a half ago, and I just have it now. So you can have it. So tear. Where, where, Dave, where does he get these wonderful toys? I have no idea. I legit don't even know. And he's probably told me, and I just I don't freaking remember. A fairy market? Maybe. A back alley? Uh, probably uh, not. In, in this case, it was when Radio Shack went out of business. <laughs> Which is very similar to a fairy market. That's sort of like a halfway between like a fairy goblin market and a back alley. Those are that's almost exactly what that is. That is the exact midpoint between those two is a collapsing radio shack. <laughs> I dude, collapsing stores are so sad. Especially especially I feel like when they are the type of store that has not actually like purpose built a space for themselves. They just kind of exist in a rental space and then once all the shelves start coming off the walls it's just this kind of blank thing and there's just like a set of headphones and an old cell phone Dude, and like I, one sad nerd me. i have worked in at least three different places as they closed down because i don't know if you guys knew this but a while ago the economy was pretty bad and uh, Dude, is that like, as... specialty retail stores were not doing super hot. So I was there when uh, the gamekeeper closed down. I was there when borders shut down. I was there. Oh, gosh. How many other places have I worked that went out of business while I was still working there? I don't know. But I also now know that I'm never getting on a boat with you. I, like, I never thought about it, but I just decided that right now. If you ever well, go sailing, let me know because I'm skipping it. Dave, you know, when I said those places went down, they were not literal boats. They, the, uh, that is a metaphorical ship, my friend. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, Matt, I'm aware that Borders Books and Music is not an actual literal boat. I managed to put that one together. I'm just saying. Well, okay, you are not invited on my next sailing trip. <laughs> you know, so, the sailing trips Matt, I take. Yeah, all of those that you've never done. Uh, anyway, 
it's it's been five minutes. Do you want to talk about this episode, or do we want? To uh, do yeah, some... we should actually probably at some point do the show that we're here to do. Right. Listen, guys, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had our standard standard setup. We're we're easing back in. Got a little ring rust. It's all good. Anyway, Dave, today we are watching episode forty-two, of the Jetman with the Golden Gun. It is called Sleep on My Chest. But before we get into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Matt, first star this week, this is a follow-up from last week. If for some reason you A, didn't watch our special episode, and B, have somehow missed it, but the Cavs won the NBA Finals. Like, they won the championship. Hot the Cavs won the championship. Good golly, Miss Molly. A it's team in this a team from Cleveland. The, the city that we love so much uh, has actually, actually won a sports championship. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I, I did not know. Like that night after we went back from the bar, having finished watching the game, I drove home. Every car on the road, by the way, was honking their horns. Like, there are a bunch of cars that were just out driving around. There is yeah, no man. reason for those people to have been out. I th- As I was people... coming home, I saw people leaving their house, just getting in their car and starting to drive around just so that they could drive around and honk their horns a bunch. People didn't know what to do. We were completely, like, this just so came out. We had no idea. Like, it was just Cleveland, no, like, no one had any context for how to process those emotions. Like, I guess we're just gonna, I guess we're just gonna go somewhere. There were some teenagers just, when we walked out of the bar who were running up and down the street. And one of them yeah, was literally. running so hard that he lost a shoe. And instead of stopping to put his shoe back on, he just pulled his other shoe off and kept running. Yeah, hey, just as a, as a unit, we just, like, we didn't know what to do. Actually, okay, we a little bit, let me rephrase that. We did know, we didn't know what to do. We did know what not to do. I felt real, real good that, um, that we as a city just managed to, like, I don't know, man. We didn't set anything on fire. Nobody, like, looted a store. It was yeah. just, it was this beautiful sort of moment. There was a parade. Oh, dude, you were out of town for it. There was a parade downtown yesterday. By the way, like I saw half pictures. my office was empty. On um, Monday? Or yesterday? Yeah. So there are, in the greater Cleveland area, like, and when I say greater Cleveland area, I mean like Cleveland, Akron, Canton, like Northeast Ohio, there are like... Four and a half million people total. Yeah, it's, if you include like all of Akron, all of Canton, and all of the areas in and around Cleveland, and like maybe even out into Youngstown, I want to say it's like yeah, like four and a half, five million people, something like that. Uh, downtown Cleveland during the parade had one point three million people in it. Um, like if you haven't seen any photos of that parade, look them up, dude. It was a madhouse. Peep I mean, it was a mad town. craziness. But they the were, parade like, itself things really on was fire cool. or rioting. They were just climbing on top of things. Like, I guess I'm excited. I should be up there. It was awesome. But yeah, man, we won. We won. And I'm not even like, listen, dude, I'm not like a sports guy. Not like, I'm not a sports guy. I just, you know, man, it's not my scene. Like, other people love it. That's awesome. That's super cool. Like, it's just not. Like, I'm in other weird, I'm in other stuff, whatever. But Mark, producer Mark, is a much more of a sports guy than we are. And he's like, hey, I really want to I want to go check out the game. Like, will you guys come with me? And I was like, you know, man, yeah, sure. Like, it's the final game. 
even if we lose, you know, this doesn't happen a whole lot for Cleveland. Like, let's go check it out. And I, like, dude, I can't watch sports, apparently. Like, I was way too invested. Like, my heart was in my throat. I'm like, my heart is racing. I'm just staring at the screen. I'm like yelling at it and shouting. Like, I get it a little bit now. Like, it makes much more sense to me. Right. Because, like, as to why listen, you would do this. Like, 30 plus years in Cleveland have taught me that sports, like, the point of having a local sport team is not to enjoy it winning. The point of yeah. having a local sport team is for you to learn some hard truths about life. Right? That, like, life isn't always fair, and that's okay. Right. And you just you need can to, work. like, you know, pick yourself up and try harder again next year. And, yeah, like, that, that you is can... the lesson of Cleveland sports. And so the fact that, like, they actually won one, everyone's like, I don't, but is there, what are we supposed to feel bad about tomorrow? <laughs> right. The, the great thing about Cleveland sports is it teaches you is that you can want something so much, and you can work so hard, and you can hope and dream and pray, and the universe doesn't care. And you just lose anyways. And that's a good lesson for people to learn about the uncaring cosmos that just sometimes it doesn't matter, but we won and it was awesome. Anyway, uh, I guess that's it for the first star. We could just keep talking about this because I guess a few days later, we're still very excited. But uh, Dave, instead of that, why don't you tell me what our second star of the week is? Yeah, so... Our second star of the week, Matt, is that my wife and Beth and I just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary uh, this past Monday, which is very cool. Congratulations. So th- Happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you. And so we said, yeah, oh, man, let's like take a little trip. Let's like go do some stuff. So what we decided is we're going to go up to Niagara Falls. We did not actually see Niagara Falls at all because okay. we just kind of that, didn't. I mean, that seems up. like a, a pretty easy thing to hit while you're out there. Yeah, it does. Well, okay, apparently, like, the American side is closed for construction, I guess. And I had already seen it a bunch, and she'd seen the Canadian side. So we're like, whatever. So we go up, but we go up to Canada, and there's a little town. It's like a little tourist town. It's very nice. It's called Niagara-on-the-Lake. I got a new hat. I got, like, a linen hat. Nice. Yeah, and it's a it's a very nice like a summer hat. But when I tried it on, I was wearing a t shirt, right? And okay. so I try, and it's like a brimmed hat. It's not like a cap. It's like a brimmed, you know, white hat. Like, yeah. And so I had a t shirt on, and I tried the hat on, and I was I looked at myself, and I was just like, ah, no, I'm not. I can't be t shirt and like hat guy. Like I can't do that and be that guy. So I actually went back to the car where we had our luggage and I put on a collared shirt and then I went back to the store and tried the hat on again and I said, yes, I'm going to get this hat. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, with a collar, it's different, man. You have a collared shirt and you get... Anyways, so... No, you're right. I mean, listen, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing and you can't it's just... Like- yeah, it's like when I tried to buy a pair of shorts a few weeks ago and didn't take my socks off first. Like, there was oh, yeah, no way to no. tell whether or not I should buy those shorts. Well, there is a way to tell. Because if you're going to leave the socks on, the answer is don't buy those shorts. Yeah, never buy any shorts. Yeah, just never buy any shorts. <laughs> if you wear, like, tall socks. Anyways, so we're up in Canada. And I had never been to Canada, at least as, like, an adult, which is a little bit weird. It's just, I've never been to Canada. That's and fine, I discovered dude. there's nothing to be like ashamed about. 
No, I just, I don't know. It seems like I would have been to Canada at some point, but I haven't. So, but I've been now. So here's what I've discovered about Canada. Canada is like Uncanny Valley America. Like it's so close. Like it's so close. And it's just different enough in like small enough ways that it's kind of disconcerting. I totally understand what you're talking like, about. They, they like, speak everything English. seems like it's like, oh, this is just America, but a place in it that I haven't been. And then you turn the corner and you see something that is so different that it really throws you off. Oh, see, I didn't catch that. What was weird for me is that it just seemed like America, except it was wrong in like a number of small, subtle ways. Like the speeds at which you're driving are almost the right speeds because 50 kilometers an hour isn't 35 miles an hour and it isn't because everything in america is like rounded in fives right it's like 30 miles an hour 35 miles an hour but in canada it's like rounded to the 10 of kilometers and so you're driving and 50 kilometers an hour is like 32 miles an hour and so just say either either tell me to slow down or let me go the full 35 this is killing me yeah exactly it's very weird and like the orange construction barrels are like a slightly different color and the and things cost like almost the same but just not quite and the people speak english obviously most of them but it's like just like vaguely different and it's just like it's disconcerting in a number of smalls but i did have a lovely time and i found out two amazing things first of all First of all, Wayne Gretzky is in that wine game. Really? Yeah. The Great One owns vineyards. And it's not even like... It doesn't even say like, oh, Gretzky Estates. as the, And like, maybe it's just like something. He doesn't, he doesn't have a clever name for it. It's literally just Wayne Gretzky Estates. And that dude makes wine now. Like, that is his thing. I, I feel like they should call it the Great Wine. I man, that's a really lost opportunity. But listen, I know, uh, right? Wayne Gretzky is great at making cartoons and playing hockey. He is not known for his wine naming prowess. Here's the second thing I discovered: Canada apparently just has garbage ice cream. Admittedly, really? that's a little bit of an extrapolation. But let me tell you why I think that. So we're in this little town, and we're passing this ice cream place, and it's called Cows, which is a boring name for an ice cream shop. But we're passing this ice cream place, and it's called Cows, and they've got a big sign, Canada's Best Ice Cream, as voted by the Reader's Digest. And like, listen, Reader's Digest is not a culinary magazine, but I feel like they've got a pretty broad readership. Yeah, so if you're getting that many people to vote on ice cream, they're at least going to find something. They're probably not going to find, like, the exciting ice cream, but they're probably going to get a good salad ice cream. Yeah, but but they said it was Canada's best ice cream. And so we're like, well, dude, we got to stop. Like, we got to, tr- if it's Canada's best ice cream, like, we got to stop. And, like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like, this is garbage ice cream. Like, it was clearly a step above... Just like, you know, like whatever ice cream you would get at the store, right? But if this is Canada's best ice cream. Right. But if it's like, dude, if that's the, if that's like literally your best ice cream, like your ice cream game is garbage. It wasn't dude, a patch re- on Jenny's or Mitchell's. 
No. Those are both good local ice creams. P.S. Yeah. So apparently, yeah. So uh, so Canada has bad ice cream. We had a lovely time. We stayed in this like sick hotel that we got for like sixty percent off through hotels.com. That's not an ad. Nice. That's just like a life pro tip. Get the hotels.com app because this hotel was amazing. So that was it. We just had like a real nice little trip to Canada and uh, and found out some stuff. So what Matt is our third star of the week? Dave, third star of the week is I finally, finally got around to watching that first episode of Voltron. I'm kind of in the oh, middle man. of the second one right now. Me I too. To I watched this. it. I watched it with producer Mark's kid. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> like he was doing a thing, and I just ended up watching his kid for a few minutes. I was like, let's just watch Voltron, dude. What but did I really you think? dug it. I really liked it. I mean, listen, it was Voltron. Like it was like it wasn't dramatically different from the Voltron that you were expecting. It's still five dudes. Their names are on unsh- like this isn't to be clear. This is not a reboot of Voltron. This isn't like a reimagining of the Voltron story. It's just Voltron. Like the characters look the same, they're named the same, the lions look the same. Everything is the same. It's just new. Okay, but it is well, super fun. Here, let me let me put a twist on what you just said because I think that it actually is probably pretty different. Um, although right, I me, haven't man. I haven't watched Voltron in a while. But here's what I think that they've done, and it's something that some of these nostalgia things manage to do better than others. Is that this Voltron show doesn't really seem like a new one as such, but it feels like the Voltron show that you remember, even though the Voltron show that you remember is like way better in your head than it actually was. Oh, okay. That's hot. You I can take that. That's a good point. You're like, oh, this is the Voltron show that I remember loving. But it's not. It's the Voltron show that you have like built up for yourself and now it's just filling in that slot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. It's a better show as regards like animation and all of that stuff. I'm just saying they haven't like Messed with the fundamental elements of Voltron. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's not like that one weird CGI 3D Voltron show that was out in the... Oh, yeah. That thing was a mess. 95 era. Dude, do you remember like those couple of years when every new cartoon was like, oh, yeah, now it's all CG. 3D CG animation. That is where it's at. Is like reboot came That's out all and anybody everyone wants decided that like that was it, and then they would much rather put out the worst garbage CG than like halfway decent 2D animation. Yeah, man, like, that I was liked not some a cool... of those shows, but boy, that was a rough couple of years. Yeah, that was not like a cool time. Although, okay, there, so there's one or two things about the new Voltron show that I that I do super dig. The first, and this actually may have been from the old show, and I just like didn't know it. I don't know is that the pilots of the Voltron cats of Voltron, I guess, are called paladins. Like, each each one is like a paladin of the Black Lion, which is baller. That's and the awesome. second, And this, I'm almost certain, is absolutely new for the new show, is that each, like, Voltron paladin, they're given a special weapon, and it just looks like a handle, but it's some sort of, like, super science morphy weapon, and it, like, reads your mind and figures out the best sort of weapon for you to have. And oh, then it dude, turns I into that, that thing. So Hunk has, like, a giant, like, double-handed, like, heavy Gatling laser thing. And Pidge has, like, a 
lightsaber kukri that shocks people. I don't know. Yeah, dude, but I thought that was it a, was very I thought that cool. was a real slick moment. So uh, the thing that keeps throwing me off when I'm watching it is that uh, there is a red character who has a red lion, and the Super Sentai shows have trained me to be like, oh, that dude's the leader. Like obviously <laughs> the red dude is in charge, but he's right, not in but, charge. Nope. He is not. He's the in charge. It's Shiro is in charge. Is the black? Yeah, I was about yeah. to say Ranger, but whatever. Yeah, he's the black Ranger. Come on. Yeah, he forms we, the we head. all know what's going on. So, uh, Voltron, super rad. Give it a watch. Let us know what you think. I guess. And Matt, sure. S- sound sound off in the uh, sound off in the comment in the comment section. <laughs> we have no comment section. And if we did, we don't please have that. do not no. sound off there. Oh my gosh! If we, yeah. If we had a comment section, good gravy. So, uh, anyway, Matt, Dave. our fourth, fourth star of the week, let's take a second and talk about Guy Fieri's show, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Ooh, I don't have a lot to say about we it. we have to? Yes, we do. Here's why. I've got a problem with this show. <laughs> really? No, whoa, yes. Whoa. Well, let me, let me sit down here, Dave. You've got a problem with Guy Fieri's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives? Here is my problem. Is that all the... Because I've watched episodes of this show, right? Every single place that this dude goes to is a place that I want to find out about and, like, I want to check that out. Like, I want to see these people doing what they're doing because all the stuff they make looks delicious. So, like, I am drawn to the show because I'm in my 30s and it's 2016. So all I want to do is watch about, if I'm not eating, I want to find out about other food that I could potentially eat someday because that's how the world works now. So I want to see about all these restaurants, but Guy Fieri himself is a walking violation of like the Geneva Convention or something. <laughs> He's a war crime. He's so bad as a host. He's terrible. And so I'm watching, and I'm like I'm just trying to check out these food, this these food, this food, and watch these interviews with the people. While simultaneously, yell, literally yelling at my screen for the host of the show to just shut up. Okay, dude, here, if, if I am only allowed to have one problem with Guy Fieri's Diners, Drivers, and Dives, it is this. Next time you see that show, any of you, this is a fun game you can play. It's a fun drinking game. I play this game. Watch it's a good this one. Show, watch this show. Anytime that a camera shot lingers on anything for more than three seconds, take a shot. I promise you, you will be stone cold sober by the end of that episode. Yeah, you will be fine. If you're like a Quaker teetotaler who doesn't drink for religious reasons, you can watch this. This is a drinking game that you can play because you will never take a drink. Never once is a camera shot longer than three seconds. I did. Okay. Madness. It's actually, it's never, ever, ever longer than four. Every, every once in a while. Because we watched three episodes and there was like one camera shot. There was four seconds. So, but if you moved it up to more than four seconds, you'd be completely fine. So that matters our fourth star of the week. It's a short one. I just, I want to eat this food and I hate Guy Fieri and his stupid everything. What, Matt, (laughs) is our fifth star of the week? Dave, our fifth and final star of the week this week is a bit of Power Rangers movie news that... Honestly, if you're listening to a Jetman show, you've probably already heard this, but I'm excited. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Brian Cranston is returning to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers franchise 
uh, to play Zordon in this movie, dude. Wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. Hold. Hold way up. Did what? you see returning to the franchise? Dude, did Is you Brian- not know this? Has Brian Cranston been in Mighty Morphin Power? No, I did not know this. This is not like a bit for the show. You legitimately did not know no, this? No, I legit do not know this. Like, Emmy Award-winning star of Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston, is, has been in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Dude, ap- dude, he was... Okay, so way back in the day, he would just do, like, day labor voiceover parts... Yeah, that dude's done everything. Saban. And so, like, if you go back and listen to season one of Power Rangers, he's the voice of, like, four different monsters. Uh, most notably, the Snizzard. No way. That's No, I did not know that. That's in amazing. Fact, in fact, he is so, like, connected to that first season that the Blue Ranger, Billy, Billy's last name is Cranston, named after Brian Cranston. Wow. Hot is, dang, uh, man. Yeah, that is There's one of my favorite day. bits of uh, Power Rangers trivia. Well, it's some good stuff. So uh, I just desperately hope. I know they're messing with the looks a little bit. If his head is not floating in the tube, I am going to be legitimately upset. I will be too. Also, I am going to be spending the entire movie looking for a snizzard Easter egg. Uh, and we'll be genuinely disappointed if there's not something. It's uh, going to be there. So, anyway. Matt, that's our five stars of the week. Yes. Uh, so let's take a break. Let's watch episode 42, Sleep on My Chest. And we will be right back. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 42 of Chojin Sentai Jetman, and guys, we have got a hilarious one for you today. And by hilarious, we mean genuinely a little upsetting and like really sad. Yeah, uh, what what I said was a huge lie. This is like a real bummer of an episode. Dude, Jetman is raw. It's been a while since we've had occasion to say it, but Jetman is super raw. They're not getting around. Like, I, we finished watching the episode, and I just sat there for 30 seconds trying to figure out. It's like, is this maybe a part one of two? It isn't. I don't think. It's just, it's just tragic and sad. And I sat there. How, is I, how am I, how am I going to make jokes about this? I don't have goofs on this. This is awful. This is non, this is a non goof territory. But Dave, we are professionals. We this, is, this, I think, is the 95th episode of the Super Sentai Brothers. Are going to make this happen. It, yeah, I think, dang, it is, man. So we are going to make this happen. We are going to find some goofs. Somewhere. We're going to find some yucks. It's going to be chuckles. It's going to be a tough, a tough thing to mine out of this. But, I was uh, going to say, man, we're going to have to delve greedily and deep to find those sweet, sweet laughs. But let's see what we got. Okay, so we start this episode off in the Viram dimension, and Emperor Tranza is making a new robot that he has called G2, because why not? Uh, and it I actually think, looks... I have a theory about this. Hit um, me. And it, it affected how I started to take my notes now, is I think that he is G2 um, because he is like supposed to be... Like, Tranza is trying to make a robot that's better than Gray. Oh, he's Gray And so Gray I feel like in his too. head, Gray is G1. All right. Which is a weird moment because it, it reminds me of the thing, which is totally true, but you never think about it, that somebody built Grey because Grey is a robot. Like, Grey is a person with a personality, and, like, he's been in this show from day one, and we don't know anything about his creation, but he is a straight-up robot that somebody put together out of parts. 
I okay, I legit just assumed that he was from like a robot dimension where everyone is robots. I kind of did too, but in this episode, Trance is like, I'm gonna make a great robot. I'm gonna make a robot that's better than Gray and better than Jetacris, and like it's gonna be so good. And it's like I guess somebody had to have made Gray. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they did maybe, it. Maybe he sure. actually is from a robo dimension where like robots are just naturally occurring organisms. But that, yeah, that had been my assumption. But whatever. Uh, so he makes this robot and he calls it G two, and it's actually kind of a cute looking robot, and it looks like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle like robot toy that I got you for your birthday when we were kids, and I can't. Remember the name of it? Oh gosh, it's just, it was gold. It had red eyes. Its name started with an F. Um, yeah, something like that. If anybody knows, rumors this, that robot toy. This is going to bother not, me all night. I loved that toy. I know, and it's not the Mecha Turtle. It's like its own robot thing. I, th- I also had that one, which I think was called Metalhead. Yeah, Metalhead. Thank you, it's but not it's metalhead. not Metalhead. It's a different turtle. It was like a dude who got turned into a robot. I. Th- think that is what i remember about like the back of the box of that toy but that is sort of what this dude looks like and here's what yeah. i don't dave here's what i don't understand about this hit me transa is making g2 right and he's making g2 because he wants to make a murder robot uh-huh but what he makes is a little adorable baby robot it's so cute. It, it, like, it looks adorable. It has a child's voice. Like, is Transa bad at robots? Or did he think that this was a good idea? Yeah. He, okay, maybe he's just, dude's just a bad robot. And occasionally, occasionally, watching it now, and I didn't get this the first time I watched it, but the more I watch this show, the more Emperor Transa feels like a 12-year-old in an adult's body. He No, I really dig it, because that is straight up what he is, and they're playing it really well. That robot, by the way, Matt, is called the Fugitoid. Fugitoid, thank you. Yep, he is a fugitive android, so he is a Fugitoid. Sure, dude. Yep, and uh, yeah, so G2 sort of looks like Fugitoid. If you had that toy 20 years ago... So Trans is bad at robots, and he makes this, like, adorable, charming little kid robot. And he's like, and- yes, rise, my robot. Show me what you can do. Like, And G2 shoots his, like, laser beam at Tranza, and Tranza sort of knocks it away, but he's very pleased with the power of the beam as the yeah. other Vyrum commanders look on. So... Oh, by the way, I did notice, I feel like G2 also is maybe the same actor who does the suit work for Tetra Boy. Like, their body language looks really, really similar to me. So, Transit is, like, gloating at his amazing new creation, right? But what happened was, when G2 shot his laser beam at Transa, Transa sort of knocked it away, but I think it might have bounced back into G2. And so G2 is standing there, and he's so happy that he has made Transa happy for, like, three seconds. But then, like, his chest explodes, and he falls over. And the other Vyrum commanders just start laughing and laughing and laughing at Transa. Yeah, and so (laughs) Transa looks over, and he just explodes them a little bit. Yeah, like, he presses a little button on his wrist, and there's just, like, a mild explosion near them. 
And so, but Gray, not deterred by that, he says, he says, you're not that much better than us. Like, I don't know where you get the idea that you're hot stuff, Emperor Tranza. And I think, Gray, he gets the idea when he completely whooped all three of you at the same time. But, well, he, Tranza, does, he does admit that he's better. He just says he's not much better. Yeah. So, Tranza is furious that G2 is not literally three seconds after his creation, uh, uh, murderous robot. So he completely abandons G2. Right. He, like, he calls the Grinham soldiers. all day on it. Because like, he's got a whole setup, and now he's just done with it. So he calls the Grinham soldiers in, and he says, listen, uh, you guys can have this robot. I don't care. Do kind of whatever you want with it. Use it for target practice. Like, I'm out. So... Because not G2 only, just, like, not only is he disappointed, but now he's embarrassed because he's twelve years old. Yeah, right. And so he's just like throwing like a like a sort of a controlled tantrum. So we flip from there. So he kind of storms off. We flip from there to Cowrie's house, and she has managed. She's managed to get Guy into a tuxedo. Which, listen, we know is not that hard. He's got a tuxedo ready. Yeah, dude. Yep, dude has a tuxedo. He's ready to go. But this is a particular tuxedo or something. Because, like, I don't understand why he's so discomfited by the tuxedo. Because he clearly owns one. We already know that. I feel like before, but before, Dave, he was in his gambling tuxedo. And now he's in his fancy dinner tuxedo. And that is not the same look. Because what we find out is happening is that Kauri is trying to, like, civilize Guy. Yeah, She's trying is, to teach him he is, fancy table manners. She is straight up trying to my fair lady, this dude. Yeah, and she even says, she's like, Kai, Kai, Guy, you have got to learn some nice manners because you're going to come with me to fancy parties. Right, like, I, I live a life of fancy parties. If you're going to be part of this deal, then you need to learn how to use a knife without scratching the plate. Dude, <laughs> guys, like, listen, uh, Kauri, I, I really like you. I have absolutely fallen for you. I get it, but don't try and fix me. I'm a noble stallion, babe. I'm a, I'm a, gotta lo- run I'm a, free. I'm a lone wolf. Gotta, gotta put on my other tuxedo and smoke cigarettes. So, so that is what he does. He sort of storms out, and Kauri kind of chases after him, saying something like, I know, wait, come back. And as soon as they get outside, Gray just attacks. Oh, that's right. Emperor Tranza, sorry. Last scene, Emperor Tranza had said, why don't you guys, I'm busy now. You guys go and try and at least put a dent in the Jetman. Like, go be useful somehow. So that is exactly what Gray and Maria go to do. Now, this means, of course, that Gray knows exactly where Maria lives. Because he just Where shows Kauri up lives, to but her yeah, house. He does. I mean, Maria lives in the Viram dimension. They show up at Kauri's house. Oh, sure. Yes, of course. <laughs> so I was actually thinking about this same thing. Not because, of course, he knows where she lives. But like, again, man, the Viram have the ability to just teleport wherever. Why aren't they just blowing up the Jetmen when they're asleep? But also, as we will, I, I, we will come back to this later in the episode. Like, just set Kauri's house on fire, man. We'll come back to this later in the episode because maybe sometimes they can't just teleport at will, and I do not know what's going on with that. But again, we will circle back around to that. Just keep it in the back of your mind. 
So anyways, so Guy runs out, Kari follows him, Grey kind of explodey attacks them, and then we jump from there actually back to the Viron dimension. Yes, and G2 is just like in some back room in the Viron dimension, and a couple of Grinham soldiers are beating him up. Yeah, they are doing exactly, actually, what Emperor Transa said. They are using this poor little robot, this adorable, like, round-faced robot for target practice. So G2 is freaking out, and it's very uncomfortable because they do a real, real good job of making it feel like this is a little kid robot. And that continues to be a source of great discomfort throughout the course of this episode. Yep, so buckle in. <laughs> so... They are they are beating up on G2, and he is, like, crying out for help or reprieve or something, and he is running away, and he sees one of the dimensional doors in the Viron dimension, and he just opens it and jumps through it, not knowing where he is, like, going to end up. Naturally, he ends up, he just drops in exactly where all the action is happening, well, because this is... Sort of, Jordan's mostly. He drops right there, except he drops like 25 feet up in the air. So he just runs through this door and then drops. That's right. And just so, sort of like crash lands on the ground and lies down in like the soft grass for a while collecting himself. So we go from there, and we don't exactly know where we are, but we are... Well, we do know where we are. We're in a quarry, which was weird to me because we were just at Cowrie's house and we have seen, hey, we have seen Cowrie's house before and it is not by a quarry. So I just, man, I know I'm never going to get this. I know it at this point. And you would have think, you would think at episode 95, I would have made my friggin' peace <laughs> with, with the, the fact. Dude, the, the quarry is ever present. The quarry will be there forever. The quarry, I think, is the only recurring character in all 45 seasons of Super Sentai. And you would think that I would be okay with it, that they just show up there at this point, but I'm still not. Like, I just, I want, like, any explanation as to why <laughs> they show. Like, I don't even care if you shoot all the scenes at the quarry. Just give me, like, some moment of peace that says, oh, this is why they're at the quarry instead of the place that they just were. But anyways. So Guy and Kauri are, like, hiding behind a hill, and Gray is stalking them using his, like, scanner vision eyes to, yeah, like, like, look through the detritus to find their heat signatures or whatever. Yeah, Terminator style. They're running frantically. He's just sort of slow walking after them. So as Guy and Kauri are running away, Maria follows after them, and Gray can, starts to like continue his slow Terminator walk. But yep. as he is doing that, a little adorable robot hand shoots out of nowhere and like clutches at his foot and begs him for help. Yeah, and just cries out, help me! Like, please help me! So we kind of flip back and forth pretty quickly, where it's just, we're at the quarry and Maria is attacking, and then we're kind of flipping back and forth to see Gray... And he is pulling out some of his own components to fix G2. Yeah, he's just like popping them open, like basically like switching out the spark plugs, kind of. Yeah, it's like pretty low grade. I guess Gray has a bunch of redundant parts because he's just yanking out his own organs, for lack of a better idea. But he's, he's fine. And so G2 is up. He's good. And he starts to follow after Gray, and Gray says, just, dude, I, leave me alone. I don't have any use for you. Like, get out of here. And he just keeps walking. 
So back at the fight, Guy and Kaori are about to get hit in the face with an energy whip when Ryu jumps out of nowhere and just grabs Maria's whip out of the air and starts shouting at her that she needs to remember who she is. Yeah, he says, you are Rie, you're Rie Oi, Aoi, Aoi, I don't know, and you are going to come back with me even if I have to beat you unconscious to do it. Which I get, but in a vacuum is a weird thing to hear. Right. We're not experiencing it in a vacuum. It's just still, like, that's a statement that stands out. Like, hey, woman, you're coming back with me even if I have to beat you unconscious to do it. Yeah, it's deeply uncomfortable. I'm like, yes, I know that she is... Even though it... Right, it makes total sense. Right, like, she has a laser whip and she's trying to murder you. I get it. But, like, I don't know. Maybe you can phrase it better. (laughs) (laughs) So, the other Gemini... So, um... Raita and Akko arrive, sorry, for like, I legit blanked on Akko's name for a second. It, honestly, it's, it's been a few episodes since we've really had any Raita or Akko moments, and I feel like the bonus episode we did with all that Die Ranger stuff has kind of like hit the reset button in my brain, and I'm kind of scrambling to remember everyone's name in Jetman. It did a tiny bit. So Raita and Akko show up, so now all the Jetmen are there, they start to do the fight, yeah, and you know, like, fight, 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 fight. Like, nothing particularly interesting is happening until Guy cross changes just as Gray is about to shoot him. So, Gray shoots his, like, shoulder cannon blast thingy at Guy. Guy deflects it with his bringer sword, which I did not know was a thing that he right. could do. That and is seems a great like, move. Yeah, seems like he maybe should have been doing that for a real long time, but maybe he just figured it out. But the deflected shot hits Maria. This is huge. Right. And then Maria goes like flying off a cliff. Yeah. So we have a quick break there. And we see that it's the next scene. The Jetmen have left, I guess. Maybe the Virum pulled like a short range teleport to get away. But no, they didn't because G2 is still there. But it's raining, and Gray is sort of helping Maria limp along after this attack. And we hear, in the background, we hear the piano music that we hear every time we are about to get a tender Gray and Maria moment. Because it's Gray remembering this music that Maria was playing, and like, ah, she's a human, and I wish I could be, etc., etc. Now, G2 is, like, sneaking around behind them because he just feels like if he gets close enough to them, Gray will offer him some degree of robo-compassion. Yeah, he wants, like, a robo-dad. So he he actually kind of comes up and around the side and he says, Gray, like, let me, I, forget, I forget what he says. He might just say Gray's name, but the vibe is very obviously, hey, robo-savior dad, let me come with you and I will, like, we'll be cool robots together. And Gray is yeah, not Gray's response is basically like, no, nah, man, like, get out of here. Yeah, he, and he sort of, I don't think he literally kicks him aside, but he basically, um, he shoves him aside at the very least. Not in this scene. There is a scene later on when, listen, we get a lot of the same, like, tearjerker moments in this episode that get repeated and there is a bit where gray literally just like shoves g2 to the side so we so g2 just continues following him though he just keeps following gray and gray and maria end up at this cave 
okay? So they're in the cave. Maria is struggling, but she manages to kind of get it together because she's very hurt is the point, right? So she manages to get it together and she looks over at Gray and she says, again, you have saved me. I am in your debt. Like, is there anything I can do for you? And Gray's like, is there re- anything I can right. do to repay you? And Gray's response is like, uh, yes, I would like to hear your music again. And like, there's no piano around, but Maria apparently is like a musical prodigy and can turn anything into a musical instrument. Okay, this is my... Man, okay, this is this moment made me so angry. Why? So she just she just grabs a leaf, right? She just grabs like a stupid leaf off of a plant, and she just holds it up to her lips. She doesn't like hold it in a weird way to do anything. She doesn't like literally. She doesn't do anything to it. She just holds it up to her lips, and she starts playing this leaf like it's a flute. And I think the idea is, you know how you can like stretch a leaf between your fingers and kind of blow into it and it makes like a horrible screeching buzzing sound? Yeah. I think that like that's the idea, except she is playing a song. Like she's playing a legit tune on this leaf. Dude, listen, I understand why this is making you mad, but like something is going to happen a little later along the same lines that will make you furious if this is bugging you. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that, too. We're going to get there. So G2 is hiding outside and listening in while Maria plays this song for Grey. Now, she plays it for a while, and then eventually, suddenly, she drops the leaf and sort of collapses into... I don't know. She's got the shakes. Like, she's not well. Yeah, man. She's hurt. And she's just saying. She's like, I'm so cold. I'm super, super cold. So... And, like, Grey tries to hold her... But, like, Gray's a big old metal robot. And she's like, dude, you are also cold. This is not helping. So she, yeah, she shoves him away. And Gray kind of looks down and flexes his robo hands and is just tormented by his robot body. these frozen robot hands. Yeah, exactly. warmth and love. So that is, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I don't have goofs for that. This is just like a moment of real pathos for this murderous robot who just wants to be human, I don't know, at least warm or something. So anyways, Ryu arrives at the cave. He sees Maria, rushes over to her side, calling Rie, Rie, Rie. Gray sort of instinctively pulls out his blaster thing to attack, but Ryu jumps in the way. He's like, wait. Like, he doesn't actually attack. Like, are you, are you an idiot? Like, you are about to kill Rie. Like, she is a human. She needs to be warm. Like, you are a robot You clearly do not understand what is going on with this body. And so what we we get is Ryu sort of embraces her, and she sort of leans in and kind of grabs him. She's unconscious. So this is all happening kind of automatically. But she sort of leans into Ryu's human warmth. And Gray sort of looks at it and looks at her and looks at Ryu and looks at her. And he says, well, fine. Like, I'll, but I will be back. Right. As soon as she's better, I will be back to steal her from you again. And so he leaves. Right. I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of a shame that we're done with the maze of love. Uh, but I feel like this is kind of the maze of love again. Like these yeah, three. A little. Well, okay, listen, man. There's multiple paths. There's multiple paths and levels and layers through that maze. 
and we solved one level and now we are on like level two, which is way more complicated because it involves like a dimension hopping genocidists. Right. And although I do feel, I feel like there was a missed opportunity, Dave, on the first round through the maze of love because we have, because we have a bunch of bird people and they're in love. And I feel like every time it came up, I should have just been singing like, on the wings of love, up and above the clouds, I the only way to fly. I am a hundred percent fine that you did not do that. I'm really, especially, I'm totally, especially because after that, it goes on the wings of love, only the really two committing. of us. But I could have said like the ten of us because it's the big thing with all the people, Just, and I totally wasted it. Really committing to that bit now, huh? Uh, <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I, I felt bad no, about missing good. it before. You sounded good. We finally you got back around good. to it. And that was, uh, no, that would have been funny. So, <laughs> so just, if you're ever going to listen back to this season again, just imagine that that had been in there every time. It would have been a great joke. <laughs> so, so, what we see is Gray and G2, like Gray is walking through the rain, and G2 is still chasing after him, so be like, Gray, hey, like, please be my like loving robo dad. And it just for like a second, it looks like Gray is reconsidering his stance on G2. And then it turns out that he is just remembering where Maria gra- is like grasping Ryu and getting frustrated. So he he pushes G2 to the side. And then shoots G2. him with a laser. No, 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 no. He doesn't do that quite yet, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I must have missed it. Yeah, so what happens is that G2, thinking back, that he's like, oh, Gray liked it when Maria, because he's a kid and he doesn't know the difference, he, uh, Gray liked it when Maria played this thing, so G2 reaches, he grabs a little leaf, and somehow with his robot mouth and mitten hands, like his giant <laughs> robot mitten hands, manages to play this stupid leaf. Now, With zero no, training, it, it does, and he, he like just recreates this thing that Maria has already done. It does for a moment at least give a nod to the fact that like none of this makes any sense, because he's having difficulty at least. For the first couple of bars, he's off-key. But then he right. somehow manages to like defy all the laws of known physics to make his robot body perform music with a leaf. So he does this... Gray is angry, and then Gray blasts him, because, of course, Gray is, like, you know, wrapped up in his own thing, and G2 doesn't get it, because he's a kid again. So, basically, what happened is that this kid went to his Robodad, it was just like, let me do something to make you happy, Robodad, and Robodad was like, nope, and then just hits him. It's it's awful. It's like very, I don't. It's very bad. It's very, yeah. very bad. So, so Gray blasts him, and he says, "I only saved you because you're a robot." Like, like I had a brief moment of like robot camaraderie, which I saved you. But don't don't misconstrue this. I have no use for you. Like we're not connected. You're just another robot. Right. So like. You know, get bent, get lost, I'm done with you. Like, I need to go brood and, like, you know, like, try to cry robo-tears over the fact that my cold metal body cannot communicate love. 
He does that immediately, actually, and just says, Maria, I can't warm you with my body. And I was thinking, because they do, it's raining. This whole time, by the way, it's raining. They're doing, like, special effects rain. Water's pouring everywhere. And all I can think is that it has got to be super uncomfortable to be wearing that gray costume <laughs> and just be being, like, blasted with water. Because it's like a full-body costume with, like, an undersuit and then, like, a big plastic parts. There's, like, a full helmet. You can't see this dude's face. Like, that just can't be pleasant. But, uh, but it is super dramatic, so good for them. So we go back to the cave, and Ryu has built a fire. And Maria is lying down, and she is still wearing her stupid giant mushroom hat that somehow has still remained on her head. Uh, she is also wearing Ryu's jacket as a blanket, like he has draped it over her. Yeah. And Ryu is looking over at her, and he says, I know that when you wake up, you will remember that you are Rie. I have no idea why he thinks this. He just, you like, know, he, doesn't... He, he, be- he believes in love, I guess? Uh, listen, Ryu, you maybe would have done good to have grown up in Cleveland, because that would help you understand that you can hope and wish and work really hard for something, and maybe your girlfriend is just a virum monster now, and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Sometimes life is cruel, and you just need to learn that fact. So he is like hoping that she is going to wake up and be Rie, which is not going to happen, but he's a G and G2 is spying on them. He is sort of seeing what is going on. Ryu looks over the fire, realizes that he's running out of wood, and says, I am, he's like, you wait here to his unconscious sort of girlfriend. I'm going to go get more firewood. So he leaves. Hey, I'm sorry, Dave. It's his unconscious sort of fiance. Sorry, sorry. That is. <laughs> so, so G2 wanders in and sits down next to her and is sort of looking at her. And he realizes, like, ah, this is Maria. This is the Maria that Gray was talking about. If I bring Maria to Gray, that will make him happy. And then he will then, offer me, like, his robot love. Right. Then RoboDad will love me. So he just says, Maria, Gray is waiting for you. And so he picks up Maria and, like, leaves with her. Except that, like, we, Gray is this tiny, weak robot. And Maria is a full-sized person. And so he's just, like, kind of trying to drag her in a really pitiable way. Yeah. It's, again... Really good physical acting, and G2 seems very human. So they leave. Ryu gets back, and he sort of realizes that Maria slash Rie is gone, freaks out, and runs off into the rain. The next morning, because all this is happening at night, the next morning, because the rain has stopped and the sun is out. So however long this has been, it has been like a minute. And we just see that G2 is still carrying Maria to where, we don't know, looking for Gray, and he is just repeating over and over again, Gray is waiting for you. Gray is waiting for you. Gray is waiting for you. He falls over. He tries to get back up. He kind of carries Maria again. Can't do it. Falls over. There is an unexplained rock slide for no reason, and G2 leaps in front of Maria and says, Maria, Gray is waiting for you, protects her from the rock slide, and then is himself knocked over the cliff 
in so doing. Now, the angles and physics of this, if you actually like care to look at it, make zero sense. Because you can't take a rock slide for someone in the same way that you would take a bullet for them. Because there's more than one rock and they're all coming down the hillside at them. But somehow it works. So, at this moment... Ryu arrives, he runs up to Maria, there are some explosions, Gray is also there. So now it's Ryu and like Maria and Gray, and Gray is sort of like standing over Maria. We flash down to G2 at the bottom of the quarry, crushed by a rock. Like his legs are trapped, he cannot get away. And he is still like reaching up towards the cliff and calling out for Gray to help him. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, so uh, G2 is in a pretty bad way. Uh, and also, Ryu is not having a good time of it because now Maria has kind of like come around and she's fully revived. And now she and Gray are joining up to try to murder Ryu. Yes. So there's a fight. It doesn't go super well for a minute. The other Jetmen arrive. They cross change. And then we start to get. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. G2 isn't trapped yet. Right, he's sort of clawing his way up the hillside. Yes, he manages to, like, get... He's he's slowly crawling up this thing. So the other gentlemen arrive, they cross-change. So they're fighting. Ryu and Maria square off. G2 is climbing up this thing. They manage the other four jetmen, like Kaori and Guy and Raita and Anko, manage to get Gray on the ropes enough that Ryu looks over and he says, Hey, Jet Striker, like use the fire bazooka on Gray. They're like, Yes, we'll do it. So they call the Jet Striker. They are about to blast Gray. Right. And just at this moment, G2 is able to come over the crest of the hill, sees what is happening, and shoots his laser beam at the Jetman. And yes. it, like it hits, it doesn't hit them exactly, but it hits near enough to them that while they're still able to fire off the jet striker, it doesn't like hit Gray square on. So he survives. Yeah, it's not, it's not a direct hit. So yes, exactly. He is, he kind of wanders, he stumbles away. And then the Jetman, I guess, just leave. And I think that's actually very considerate of them. Like, I think it's cool that they apparently respect the rules of engagement that the Vyrum have set up, where if you have your opponent on the ropes, what you do is just let them leave. Yeah, you just peace out. End. Yeah, so they have done that, and Gray and Maria are just running away. And well, at first, yeah, Maria... they're not exactly running, because Gray... They're, they're like stumble, Gray, stumble running. Gray did get hit pretty badly, and he's trying to walk and falling over, and Maria says, like, Gray, like, please, let me help you. Like, you've helped me so many times. Let me help you now. And he tries to shove her off, say, like, no, like, I am, a, I am a warrior. I can walk on my own two feet or something. And then he falls down like an idiot. Yes. Oh, wait, sorry. When the jet striker hit Gray, it also exploded the chunk of cliff that G2 was at. And this is now G2 is at the bottom of the cliff again. And now he is trapped under a giant robot. A giant rock, sorry. Yes. So he is crushed under a giant rock. G- Gray has, like, pushed Maria away. And said, like, no, I will walk on my own. But he sort of stumbles, and he clearly cannot. We go back to G2. G2 reaches out, grabs a leaf, and starts playing that same tune. And we cut the back, tune yeah. that he has heard Maria play. The tune, and he is the playing tune that it. he thinks Gray will want to hear and will make it love him. Yes. 
We go back to Maria and Gray. And at this point, like, Gray has accepted Maria's aid, and they are sort of stumbling off together, and they hear the music, like, on the wind, softly in the distance. Yeah. Maria doesn't quite, but Gray hears it and recognizes it. Well, he's got robot ears. Yeah, and so he turns, and Maria says, what is it? And Gray says, it's just the wind. And then they walk away. And then we cut back to G2, and we see... From his eyes. Like we see it's a point of view shot with his robot eyes. Like as the world becomes like static and fuzz. And like you can, you watch from his eyes as this child robot dies, basically. And and is calling out for Grey with his like last robo breath. And then his vision fades to black and we zoom out and we just see this dead robot crushed under a rock. And that's the end of the episode. Okay, Dave. Okay, hold on one second because there's one more thing that happens. G2 explodes and then the episode ends. And that was this one last moment where like, listen, dudes, we have been trying to find jokes in this episode. And I don't know if you can tell, it's been a little rough. It's a tough one. But in that moment when he explodes, it was just this great moment of like the Super Sentai show logic. Like, well, okay, he dies sort of like quietly and and like really sadly. And he was playing a song, but like, he is an evil robot monster. Or, like, he was at least so designed to be an explode, evil robot yeah. monster. So when he dies, he's got to explode, right? Like, of course he does. The, uh, like, Transa made him. He explodes when he dies. That's what happens. And so, and then that's the end of the episode. Have fun, kids for whom this show is made. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. Maybe next week you won't cry afterwards. Jeez, man. Okay, Dave, so that's that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, what is your high point? Man, oh, all right. I, I thought G2 looked pretty cool. Like, I liked the robot design of G2. Like, I thought that that was, I liked how he looked. And the, and the physical acting that they did for whoever was, like, playing G2 did, like, a real, real excellent job. Um, how about you, man? What's your high point for this episode? Okay. Here's here's the thing about this episode, Dave, is we've, just listening to us talk about it, it sounds like we're giving it a pretty rough time. But the thing about this episode is that it's actually really good. Like, this is a really good episode of Jetman. It's just really hard to make jokes about. Oh, yeah, like, it's bad for our purposes. But, like, this, this episode is excellent television. It like it it is a it is like a genuinely like, moving like pathos filled episode of TV. Like I felt bad for this robot. You will feel real it's emotions. It's not even like a long term character. You will feel real emotions for a little robot that showed up in one twenty minute episode of one show from nineteen ninety one. Like dude, like they did a really good job with this episode. My down. Like, my my low point of this episode is, like, boy, it was difficult to get through trying to make fun of it. Yeah, man, I was just not, like, I was not prepared for, like, how much of a downer this episode was. I Like, I came back, because, yeah, like, it's been kind of a long day, like, I've been on the road. I was like, all right, man, I'm going to, like, hang out, like, do some goofs, like, watch some crazy Trojan Sentai Jetman. Like, this is going to be a blast. And it was like, ha-ha, chump, here you go. Um... 
So after so, this, yeah, that's... I'm, I'm going to go watch more. I'm going to go watch more Voltron because that's about five dudes making jokes, uh, trying to get their five lions to turn into one giant dude with a sword, but they can't figure it out because there's not a big button for it, and it's actually pretty hilarious. I'm going to go watch that show uh, and try to get out of this weird Jetman funk. So, so, man, I think that is it for us, yeah? Yes, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or if you want to check out the things we're talking about on the show, we're on Twitter at supersentibros. If you like the show, and please... Please don't use this particular episode to try to get your friends to listen. Um, jump back a week or two. We had, <laughs> yeah, we had some real humdiggers in the very recent past. Uh, but if you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes reviews section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We'll see you next week.